The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. The Eastern Conference Finals are set. This very evening, the Western Conference Final will be set. Uh, Kyle Dubas, as of right this minute, still has a job. Um, Although from a press conference he gave, it kind of sounds like he's not sure he still wants to be there. Um, You know what? Yeah. In the uh, at least in the short term, um, which in a lot of ways one can't blame him for. Uh, We're going to talk about Bedard and Bedard trades. We're going to talk about the Bruins a little bit. Nolan Patrick, uh, Mark Mathot, and uh, Landeskog. A couple other things on the board. Where do we want to go first? Oh, wow. Well, the draft lottery is the other thing that's set, aside from the Eastern Conference and, and whatnot. Uh and I'm just wondering, you know, if they've decided who they're going to pick, because I have no idea. It's a wide open. They could pick anybody. Oh, yeah. It's definitely one of <laughs> one person. Uh, can, is it possible that Chicago could mess this up? <laughs> the only way Chicago messes this up is literally if someone's children are being held hostage. Um, okay. And even then, I'm not sure that sways them enough to like for that to change who who they pick. So let me get this straight. There's even if there is photos, uh, you know, like such as the Scott Gomez deal, even if there are photos that have come to light, it's not going to change things. Yeah, no, it's. It's it's Bedard and then probably Fantilli. I've seen Adam Fantilli play because he played at Michigan. Uh, you're not gonna whoever ends up getting Fantilli is not getting a scrub. But then again, not quite Bedard either. You know, but, um, but just looking. Just looking at this, and I know that we talked during the week, and you wanted me to try and find, and I don't know if you found any crazy ones. I didn't see any crazy trades, but. I saw a couple, and most of them were so ridiculous, they're not even worth, like, bringing here. Uh, The one that I put into the show notes (laughs) is pretty straightforward and just, it's just goofy. Like, I... I think more of Mitch Marner than most people. But Mitch Marner was not talked about as a multi-generational talent before he made it to to the draft. He's Okay. He's not talked about that now. I think he's rewriting people's expectations as to who is the most effective player. I still think he's better than Austin. Still, I personally still think he's better than Austin Matthews. And oh, I've thought that, that for a couple of years. You've thought that for a couple of years. Yes. The rest of the world is still catching up. No, oh, okay. But this is a trade from a random account. Um, Chicago gets Mitch Marner. Toronto gets Connor Bedard. <laughs> if need be, can add Alex Kerfoot. 
Yeah, don't see it happening. Chicago literally can't do that. I mean, is the only is is the only acceptable trade? And and again, you want to throw crazy trades out there? Okay, let's throw crazy trades out there. Is the only acceptable trade here? If Edmonton were to approach Chicago and say, we'll give you Connor McDavid for Connor Bedard. Um, I don't know, because there's a there's a seven or eight year age gap. And that was going to be my point. Yes, you beat me to it. Because Mitch Marner is 26. Um, Connor Bedard, I think, I mean, Connor McDavid was the draft before him. Yeah, Connor, McDav- Connor McDavid is 26 as well. So okay. a 26-year-old versus an 18-year-old. Look, if you if you think I mean I mean just going by okay, if we're if play that out. If Edmonton were to make that deal, they get 12 and a half, they get 12 million dollars off the books. They replace one Connor with another. So yes, the fans don't have to learn a new first name. Nope. Uh, they get a little younger. Chicago still gets a, a heart trophy finalist and win multiple winner. Actually, Bedard at this point is still 17. He doesn't turn 18 until July 17th. So there's close to nine years age difference between Marner and Bedard or uh, McDavid and Bedard. I mean, I don't see how anybody trades for this. I, I'm, I don't see I how think it's possible. I just don't think it's wise. Possible. Even, if, even though you're getting what is arguably the next best player after McDavid and Dreisaitl drafted into the league recently. Um. Or you can throw McKinnon in there if you want to. Um, if you're overpaying for Bedard, you're doing just that because he is an unknown. There's lots and lots of number ones who have come in and been good. Well, Bedard's not coming in and signing a $12.5 million per year contract either. No, he's not. But he's not coming in, and he's not expected to come into the NHL and be good. He's, he's coming. Be- he's the expectation is by the end of his second year, he'll be one of the top five players in the league or top three players in the league, which I think might be a little bit to put on anyone. But so he's not signing an entry level deal for like nine hundred twenty-five thousand a year for the first three years. Uh, that's exactly what he's signing, but that's the expectation is still that he's going to have probably 130 points minimum between his first two seasons. Is Chicago still going to be bad? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like now, if Arizona were, if I'm the, if I, okay, so let me, let me put together a not completely stupid trade. I'm not saying I'd take this trade. I'm just saying it's not completely stupid. So Kyle Davidson is sitting in his office. His phone rings. It's Bill Armstrong. 
Bill Armstrong says, I got a deal for you. Kyle Davidson, after the laughing fit, says, okay, hit me with it. Um, so let's see. This year, the draft order has Arizona going sixth. Yeah, already a no. Okay. Arizona mm-hmm. possesses their first round pick. Yeah. And Ottawa's first round pick, which is the number 12. Okay. They say to you, uh, Bill says to Kyle, I will give you our two first round picks this year. And whichever are the two first round picks next year for Mr. Bedard, uh in order for the right to draft first. Okay. I would have to very strongly consider that because I don't expect Montreal to be good next year. The Panthers may well fall off again. Um, the Jets are going into are should be going into a rebuild. I'm sorry, that's a let's see Caps pick they have. They have their own pick, the Panthers pick, the Habs pick, and the Caps pick next year. Two of those will be outside the playoff structure easily. So top half of the per, of the second round next year and two picks in the first dozen this year. And this is supposed to be a good draft beyond just the big three or big four or big six, depending on who you're listening to. Does that mean, do, do I absolutely take that draft, that, that trade? I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, I don't see Chicago. I, 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 after after finishing his laughter, Kyle Davidson might actually still be holding the phone to his ear. I don't know. Um, he might take a minute, think about it, and then go, no, sorry. I, I just don't see it. I don't see that there's any okay. feasible trade happening here. I mean, yes, do I have to consider having two first rounders this year as opposed to the number one? That alone doesn't get it done for me. Okay, what not if, if not if Connor Bedard is supposed not if Connor Bedard is supposed to be the talent that they're expecting. Unfortunately, yes, it's like popcorn. You know, until it pops, you know, it's just seeds in a pan. I get that, but no, I. I how many draft picks is it going to take? Give me the two this year. Um. Is Arizona going to be much better next year? Give me your first next year. I mean, at what point do you say, at one point is it enough enough and you just, is Kyle okay. Davidson still kicking himself because he didn't take Bedard? I, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know if I want to face that backlash. Look, I get it. I'm not, I, I didn't, I, I said right from the beginning that I don't know that I would take the trade myself. So here's another here's another scenario. Okay. 
Kyle, Kyle Davidson. Davidson still sitting in his office. Still laughing. Okay. Phone still rings laughing. Again. The phone rings again. Yep. Still laughing. It's Patrick Alvin. <laughs> now he's really laughing. Okay. Hey, I need to change the culture here. You know that even with Bedard, you're not getting into the playoffs next year or the year after, and you're still paying for that gorgeous new building that everybody loves. However, okay, I have. Who's got the who's got the beautiful new building? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, and that, see, that I completely – now you really can't sell Bedard out of the building. So Bedard's going to put butts in seats, new building, got to pay for it. Yeah, now you're here's – the, here's, the, here's the trade. Okay, I'm hearing. Patterson, Besser, and Miller. <clears throat> okay. For the first overall. So there's no draft picks. A 26-year-old and a 30-year-old ready to play right now. So there's no draft picks involved. There's no draft picks. There's instant impact. So Kyle Davidson, while still laughing, um, stops to take a swig of his McAllen's. Um, If he is a a drinker of adult beverages, uh, it could be just soda. But stops to laugh some more. Says, um, what fresh face am I going to be putting in front of my crowd that in the beautiful new building, as you put it, that I have to pay for? Um, what oh, beautiful, fresh, what beautiful fresh face am I going to be putting in to put butts in seats? He's accomplished. He's got a uh, he's got a he's got a 39 goal season last year, a 32 goal season the year before. Um, he's going to hit 40 in your building. He's going to do it. Might even hit 50 in your building. That's the level of talent that he is. Okay. I don't know how good of a salesman Patrick Alvin is, but that is going to have to be a massive sales job because I don't see that happening. Okay, last attempt. Patrick Alvin doesn't have – Patrick Alvin has – a first round pick and then nothing until the third round. So there's no way he's going to be including. I mean, he could include his first round pick. No, oh, he could include his first round pick, but three players plus a first round pick, I think gets into the realm of overpayment. It's Connor Bedard. This is like it's the an second unproven player. This is the second coming of, of Connor. It's McDavid. an unproven player. Was Connor McDavid an unproven player when he was drafted? Yes, he was. And I, I just, I, all right, so give me one more scenario. You said you had one more. I thought I did, and apparently they have less uh, draft picks than I thought. Um, That's all right. I'm still chuckling. Who was the other? By team? the way, when Kyle Davidson goes home, I don't know. I don't know if he goes into an office during the. You know, he may be chuckling at home to begin with, but when he goes home, he's still chuckling. The phone is still ringing. In fact, the phone probably rings at three o'clock in the morning, and he's just smart enough to have the ringer turned off. 
I'm wondering, I, I, I mean, curiosity, I, I would love to have Kyle Davidson come on and tell me how often his phone actually rings with people trying to make trades for the number one pick. I'm thinking GMs aren't as good as they are and or aren't in some cases, but as, as good as they may be in their jobs, are they really inundating him with phone calls or are they just smart enough to know that, yeah, he's going to take Bedard no matter what? I I think that you I think that as a general manager you have to at least explore the conversation with him, even if he laughs in your face. I said explore it. <laughs> I think it's I think it's legitimate dereliction of duty if you don't. Okay, so if Sweeney had called him, what's Sweeney offering? <laughs> Jacob Zaboral, Fabian Lysel. <laughs> Knowing Sweeney, it's probably Brandon Busey, um, Vinny Terry, Shane now, Bowers, Brandon and Busey, Daniel Renault. Goaltending. Now, there's a thought. Let's very quickly. Hold on. I'm very quickly. I want to check out Chicago here. Goaltending. Is a concern, yes. Completely different animal. Their goaltending currently is a laughing stock. But then again, the team is in a rebuild, but they have a way overpaid Peter Morozik at $3.8 million next season. Um, or, yeah, 23-24. And that's it. Staylock is an un- unrestricted free agent. Um, they don't seem to they're, – they're paying Anton Hudobin – no, no, he's just a UFA. He's done. Uh, they've got nobody injured. Okay. Attending in the minors is um, Stauber, who actually did a decent. They do have Drew Camesso, who I don't. I mean, he's starting his. He actually signed his entry level. He's starting next season. I mean, goaltending. That could be one avenue unexplored or, or that might he might actually stop chuckling for a second and actually listen. If you offer an Omark or a, but it, again, if Sweeney were to offer a goaltend, there's got to be more to it than that. So I just I'm not I'm not seeing an avenue. Brooks doesn't have the assets, period. Right. OK, um, how about Doug Armstrong makes the phone call? Um, okay. No, sorry. I got to go. I'm sure I've got a dog to walk or something. I don't want Bennington. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Okay. No, no, no. He starts off off the call with, look, I promise to play Bennington the next, make sure Bennington is played the next three times that you play us. Uh Uh-huh. And I will give you all three of our first round picks this year, our own Dallas and Toronto. Dallas so too late, one the, one mid. Dallas is going to be at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> we'll throw it. We'll add Jake Neighbors. Are you and, adding? Are you adding Cairo? I don't know that you can add Cairo. No nope, conversation just stopped. Okay. Or um. Paused, or paused anyway. Okay. Are you adding Rob Thomas? Not that he's as good. I, I'm not sold on Thomas as good as Cairo, but. Actually, I'm thinking of adding Marc-Andre Gaudet, young defenseman. 
and I'm not familiar with any of their their goaltending prospects, but if they were good, they'd be playing ahead of the guy who is playing. Exactly. Um, And assuming I can get him to waive it, I might add add either Colton Pareko or Tori Krug. Still not going to get it done. Two of the three picks are at the bottom of the draft. And, And at that point, you're getting depth. I mean, yes, it's supposed to be a deeper draft, but we're talking picks down in the mid mid 20s to high 20s at depending on what Dallas does. Toronto's is going to be somewhere around 25, um, 24, something like that. So that's not really a sales job or that would take a serious sales job. You're not throwing in any kind of offense to replace the offense I'm going to get out of Bedard. You're not offering the offense you're projected to get out of Bedard. Do you really think, and and I understand that, again, the whole talent, do you really think that Bedard is not going to score goals? I don't know. I I, I suspect that he will. I understand that's the opposing GM. Look at at some of the high picks that that have just come in and not done well recently. Nico, he sure took years to get there, and he's still not a top goal scorer. Uh, Nolan Patrick, we have a story about his basically broken career. Um, Capo Caco, another one. Uh, Jordan Caron, he was a he was a re, he was a first round draft pick. Uh, Zach Hamill was taken number six overall in his draft class. Nice it happens with, with high picks. You're, there's no such thing as certainty in the NHL. There's not. Is Connor Bedard very likely to, at minimum, be in the top third of NHL players after his third year? Yes. I just think in a situation, and and I guess this is where I come down on it, I think in a situation such as Chicago's, they know they're in a rebuild. You're not going to rebuild around some 30-year-old guy who's either in or looking to sign the final contract, final long contract of his career. You're going to rebuild around a guy who's going to be a franchise player. I understand before you get there that he's not in the NHL yet, but the expectation is that Connor Bedard is going to be that kid. Yes, if they make the pick and it blows up in their face, nobody's going to let them live it down. But, I mean, again, that's not fair. What if Edmonton picked Connor McDavid and he was a flop? Then we all going to jump on Edmonton? Probably yes. because they've yes. screwed up so many other times. Um, okay. I just I, – I think – I don't see them moving from this. Yeah, there are – I guess there are possibilities that could be considered, but I don't see any of them taking hold. One last – one real last call. <laughs> okay. At this point, Kyle Davidson's throat hurts. Kyle from Davidson's laughing. tired, but he's he's in a good mood from all the comedy. Oh yeah, he's he's having a good time. Pat calls. Troy Terry. Oh wait, Anaheim. 
Trevor Zegras. I like Trevor. Um, Owen Zellweger. Our first and our second this year. That's Zegris, Terry, Owen Zellweger, the first and the second from Anaheim. Hmm. Owen Zellweger was drafted 34th overall in 2021. He had in 55 games this year in the WHL. He had, and he's a defenseman, he had 32 goals, 48 assists, and was a plus 30. In the playoffs uh, for the, uh, the, Camp Loop, the Camp Loops Blazers, 14 games, 11 goals, 18 assists, 29 points from a defenseman. Why are you not offering me Jamie Drysdale? You got to keep one face the, the fans know. Not, 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 not. You want this guy. You want to draft this kid. You want my pick. Why are you not offering me Jamie Drysdale? Because I because the payment that I'm giving you is enough. No, it's not. You've got two all stars. No, nope. and, and 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 as you like to and as you like to put it, an unpop talent. Two all stars, two two good picks. Because Anaheim's pick is the second one, which means you're getting Fantilli or whoever else you want at second. Because if Zellweger was that good, why haven't you promoted him? So take out Zellweger and put in Drysdale. Nope, not happening. Okay. That's my point. Is there isn't. I don't think there is a deal, and and Davidson's not just going to cave at. See, I I would take that deal. Wow. I would take that deal in a skinny minute. Okay. I'm not saying I would co- declare myself the absolute winner forever, but have, taking those three players, mm-hmm. the, taking having. Just the jersey sales from getting uh, Terry and um, Zegris in the building. Mm-hmm. They're going to make my bosses happy. The fact that I'm getting Fantilli as the number with the number two pick gonna make the bosses happy. And then you have the three those three forward those three players to put on the ice together next year. Even if Zellweger can't make the jump to the NHL from the Western Hockey League, um, you're doing good. And then you can bring in, um, you can bring in that kid the next year if you need a smokescreen, or bring him in later in the year if they're struggling. But this pushes you two years ahead in the rebuild easily. And I think, and I think. 
Drysdale pushes the deal over the top. And Drysdale makes it an overpayment. No, Drysdale makes the deal. Drysdale, Drysdale, Drysdale Dry, would be three legitimate NHL players who are Drysdale is currently highly hurt. skilled for a prospect. Drysdale is currently hurt, and it's a number one prospect that's expected to uh, compete for Hart trophies. And expected. I'm the one that I'm actually the one in the driver's seat here because I'm holding the pick that you so desperately want. If 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 I'm if I am for Beak and that offer gets turned down, I'd say good luck. Uh, I'll invite you. I'll, I'll invite you to a into the booth when we're in the playoffs and you're not because giving up Drysdale on top of those uh, those two forwards, no, not gonna happen. And I think we need to make this our tweet, uh, our tweet, our Twitter poll for the week because I think it's a fascinating discussion. Not disagreeing with you. Like I said, if if Edmund, if if Anaheim, and I'd say that, and that's what I would say, I'd be like, if you think that much of Owen Zellweger, how come you haven't played him yet? Uh, have you Jamie, seen all the contracts they have in the NHL? Jamie Drysdale was hurt. You didn't put. You didn't call Zellweger up or, or or sign him or whatever situation Zellweger's in. I don't even know where he's at contract-wise. Uh, he's in the WHL. They were tanking just as hard. Well, they were tanking very nearly as hard as Chicago. I For me, yeah, you give me those guys – Give me, give me, give me Drysdale, Tara, and yes, I understand that it's three NHL players, but you throw Drysdale in, deal's done. Just the way you said it, Drysdale, Terry, Zegris, and your pick for the number one. Is it a slight overpayment? Yeah, but again, no, I think with. I think with Drysdale, it's more than a slight overpayment. Okay, I I'm not I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you, but I'm also looking at it from Davidson's point of view, and he's got to do again. He's got to he's got to, as you so gently put it, he's got to get people into that building that they're paying for. Having the number one pick come into the building. I don't think it's as important as having two all two bona fide all stars walk in the door What's, day one. I understand Zegras. Is Troy Terry really as good as advertised? I like Troy Terry before we get there. I'm not saying I don't. But I don't know that Troy Terry offensively Troy Terry, I as much as I dislike making the comparison is Troy Terry is somewhere around the Anze Kopitar variety mm. of forward. He's a little meaner, a little bit smaller, 
but he's that level. I'll believe that when I hear Troy Terry's name mentioned for the Selkie. Well, depending on whether Bergeron comes back or not, there's <laughs> there's room for people to be nominated, other people to be nominated. Once he retire, once he retires, all two way forwards around the league are going to be like, "Thank God, I can get noticed." <laughs> the comparisons will stop. No, they won't. No, they won't. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I mean, if he's going to be an average 65 points per game, I mean, 65 points per season player, Troy Terry. And yes, I'm looking at it very simply. I mean, minus 11, minus eight, plus minus. I'm not pulling up all the advanced stats at the moment. I need something that's going to move. I don't know. It's a good deal. It's better than any of the other deals that you mentioned. That that that's the closest you've come to convincing me. But if I'm Davidson, I'm going to try and get as much out of it as possible. And I oh, think as that, you should. And that includes Drysdale. I want something on the back end, especially since there's no goal. If you had a goaltending prospect that was worth looking at, maybe. At this point, I'm not sure I want to put John Gibson behind that team. I feel bad for the guy as it is. So I think moving him to Chicago is just as bad and not fair to him. John Gibson needs to retire or or go to a team where he's actually going to have defense in front of him so that he's at least got a chance at showcasing his talents. So, I mean, he's... The amount of work he's had to deal with in Anaheim is just uh, Herculean at some points. And we spent a lot of time on Bedard. Not that he doesn't deserve it, but. And we weren't even really going to talk about him. Um, so we talked before the season, say uh, before the postseason, saying. The Leafs probably needed to win to make the Western, the Eastern Conference Finals, <laughs> in order for Sheldon Keith and Kyle Dubas to be safe. Yeah, they did win a first round. They did go. They did make. They did win a game in the second round. Does that buy? Does that buy them another year? <sighs> you know. <laughs> I think one, I think it might because I do think that they actually played well and didn't get have, it wasn't a case of their opponent laying down for them. Um, two, I think that it's possible to fix this team now. Like I genuinely believe that if you make a bold trade, you can fix this team. I now whether whether Dubas, assuming he is extended, has the um, testicular fortitude and the internal social capital to pull the trade off. Uh-huh. I don't know, but. Trade Austin Matthews. You free up eleven and a half million dollars in salary. <laughs> okay. 
you're going to get a return, a strong return. I didn't say you weren't. I'm just you're going to get a strong return, and you can put that towards finding a goaltender who can and a defenseman who can. Okay, I have. Wait, wait. As Kyle Dubas, one of two hours, three hours ago, <clears throat> tweet from the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've signed goaltender Vyacheslav Peksa to a three-year entry-level contract. A goaltender. <laughs> They're still searching for goaltending. I actually think they have their number one on the team at the moment. And I'm not even sold on the fact that it might be Ilya Samsonov. Samsonov. Pick one, please. I think Joseph oh. Wall, I think Joseph, no, I think Joseph Wall came Maybe. in and came in in a really difficult situation and showcased what he was capable of because he came in when Samsonov went out hurt. Um, I, I think that, I think Joseph Wall may actually be a contender for your number one job. He's got the talent. He's got the, he's got the skills. I like Joseph Wall. We got to see him here at Boston College. He was the goaltender before Thatcher Demko, I believe, or maybe it was after. But anyway, I mean, they're still hunting for a goaltender. Number one problem on that team, goaltending. Number two problem on that team, yes, they acquired defense. They brought in Giordano. They brought in... uh, was it Gustafson? You tried to get some actual defensive players on that team. But Giordano is closer to retirement than he is to a next long-term contract. And the rest of the guys are still, well, still Mike Riley and, or, or, or Mike Riley, TJ Brody. I mean, they're still – Somewhat yeah. defenseman. So I'm sorry. And Jake Muzzin wasn't there. I mean, so you're still Pex- stuck in the same mire that you've been stuck in for the last, I don't know how many years. A lot. Pexa, um, he actually has good numbers in Russia's second tier league uh, playing for Bar Kazan. He's 20 years old. He played 40 regular season games with a 921 save percentage. Um, last year, uh, he really doesn't have any big league time, so it's it's very hard to make any decent comparison. He's small-ish for a goaltender. He's 6'2", 163 pounds. I think he's, that's a little bit skinny. Well, he's, he's bigger – well, size-wise, he's bigger than Halak and Yusei Saros, but – But going back to Matthews. I, I, I think trading Matthews sends a message that uh, we screwed up. And now we're trying to find a way out of it. They did. I'm not saying they did or didn't. I'm just saying I think if Dubas does that, I think it sends a message that he screwed up. And it's not going to bode well for him for finding another GM job. You know what? He wasn't the GM uh, all of the 19 years it took them to win a playoff round, and he did win one. So I, I think that he does get another job. Um, I mean, his con- he, he's a, his contract is up, right? He, he's yes. a 
come July 1st, or I don't know if their contracts work same timeline as uh, players. I, I so. suspect that's the case, but I also suspect that if they're if they're not resigning him, whoever's in charge of the scouting department uh, will be making the picks at the draft. Um, that said, I think that I think that almost all of the Canadian teams in the who made it out of the first round this year do need at least a minor, at least a mid-sized shakeup. I think that trading Matthews out for whatever you get for the return, and we're not going to discuss that because we've spent we we're pretty heavy on time already. Yeah, no, I know. I'm. Um, but you know, if you can find a goaltender and a defenseman who can, um, that's that changes the dynamic of the team, um, and I think it makes you better. Like if you re-sign Ryan O'Reilly because he actually looked solid this playoff run when he wasn't injured, um, and you have him as you know what your second or your third center depending on how you slide in Tavares and uh, the others in the for uh, the season. Who was it? Make Who? sure. Go ahead. You pick up that other defenseman, and don't forget that uh, Matt Dumba's Matt Dumba is uh, a UFA this summer. Mm-hmm. He's he's defensively going to be an upgrade on everyone, but arguably Shen, and who's on the roster right now. That was the other one they got. I couldn't think of his name. Shen from Vancouver, yes. Um, but okay, so tie it into. The the local team, because we love to roast Sweeney, you know, the Sweeney's. Um, if the Bruins were to bring in Kyle Dubas, would you be happy about that? I don't know. I think he drafts well. I think he drafts forwards. I think he drafts forwards well. Which is still better than Sweeney, because I don't think Sweeney drafts well, at least not consistently. Who was the who was the best who was the who was the best player in the playoffs for Toronto, in your opinion? I have I have I my didn't player, see but. a lot of their games. Um, I, it it might have been Mitch Marner. It might have been someone else. I don't know. Uh, I'm here to posit a theory that William Nylander was their best player in the playoffs. Go along with based, that. I mean, as, as I said, I didn't see a lot of their games. Based on what I saw, and yes, it wasn't every single game, but based on what I saw, I think Willie Nylander actually was probably their best playoff performer. Um, I don't know. See, I don't know if I, 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 I don't know if I trust Dubas just because they can't. He's had more than enough time to at least get the the ship going in the right direction defensively. It's not like he just took the job last year or two years. He's been there a few years now, and he hasn't fixed the defense. I mean, his, that is a his belief. Fault. His there. belief in fixing goaltending was signing Matt was getting trading or getting Matt Murray, who anybody who's watched and, and I feel bad for him, but the guy can't stay healthy and hasn't really been good since he's left Pittsburgh. He wasn't even good a lot of the time when he was in Pittsburgh. Um, but, but that was his answer to fix the goaltending problem. I mean, I just 
The, I mean, the bigger some of the bigger problems with Toronto, though, is the media market is so saturated with focus, and both from the fans and from the media itself, with mm-hmm. focus on offense. I mean, if you look at Boston, Toronto, and Montreal as a continuum based on what position they tend to focus on most, it's goaltending in Montreal, it's defense in Boston, it's for its offense in Toronto. Okay. Um, I don't know how much. Like you could never turn that team into the late '90s trap factory that the New Jersey Devils were. <laughs> like yes, the fans were. would, the fans would literally lynch you, and I mean that quite literally, actual death lynching. Um. You just couldn't do it. And, you know, we focus on defense so much here and our entire lives, you know, there's a, there was, there's been at least one guy looked at as the savior on the blue line for the Boston Bruins for the past 50 years. You had, or you had Park, you had Bork, you had a a couple of really ugly years before Chara. Um, But even then they were guys that they kept telling us were really great, really, really great. They were available super cheap and deep into uh, the summer, but they were really great. Mm -hmm. Now we have McAvoy and I'm sure Mason Lowry and one of the two of the other prospects will get Slathered with the boss, the defense is great. Lowry has signed his entry level, by the way. He's leaving Ohio State. He has, uh, which means he probably will not be at Bruins Dev Camp uh, the third or the seventh. Wow, was that foreshadowing, or are we moving on? (laughs) Nope, uh, just dropping it in now. Um, Okay, we can talk about it more as we get closer, but. I mean, I am surprised, and we talked about it pre-show, I am surprised that they've announced it this early. Usually they announce it like a week or two. I don't even know if two weeks is is fair. Usually it's like the week before. It's like, oh, by the way, Dev Camp is next week. Maybe they're announcing it this early this year because of how few people were at Dev Camp the last couple of years. And they're just trying to remind the players what sort of pressure they're going to face playing here. Well, part of the issue of the part of the issue of the audience is, is the fact that they they're not doing it at Restucia in Wilmington anymore. Now it's a little bit more of a pain in the butt to get into Warrior Ice Arena. I understand why they've done it. I'm not saying it's wrong. Is I mean, it it's, little, it, the ice the Warrior Ice Arena does have the T stop there, so it's theoretically easy to get is, to. And it is a nice it is a nice facility. I mean, the the Boston Pride play their home games there. Yeah, and uh, there's parking directly did. under the rink. Um, if you haven't been there, folks, I, I would I would say show up for a couple of days of Dev Camp. It, it's it's entertaining, and, and they do actually have a, a concession stand, unlike Restuche. I mean, it, it's a nice it's a nice facility. I I'm not complaining about the fact that they moved it, but the fact that the location is I don't slightly more difficult to get to than Restuche was. I mean, Restucia being out in Wilmington was easier to get to as far as, you know, drive the highway, get out, big, you know, parking lot, get in there. 
you know, you had a McDonald's and everything else right around the corner and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, is he going to be there? It, it, it's still a possibility, but because he signed his entry level, does that mean that he's not accepted there? Or, I mean, Most is it of the sp- players who have signed their entry levels have not been at dev camp uh, in, in the last three or four years. Okay. Um, but going back to the Leafs, just to tie it off, they have a lot of UFAs this season. Yep. Are you looking to make small moves to improve it and keep your your super top heavy forward core? Or would you actually move out Matthews or Marner or uh, in order to bring in uh, talent? I don't think he's I don't think you're moving Marner. I, I think that would that would not be uh, good for the resume. Matthews, I think, is movable, but I think your audience is limited based on his contract. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. It's uh, a one year contract, but I think if you trade him someplace that he actually wants to go, assuming you can get a reasonable return for it, um, you've got there, that, that team will have the chance to extend him. Like, theoretically, I mean, I've heard that he wants to go to Arizona. I've heard that he wants to go to L.A. Um, Back to the West Coast, huh? He's an Arizona boy. Um, no, I know that. I'm just saying I, I, I've never – the L.A. one is new to me. I've never heard the L.A. one. I've heard Arizona because he's from there. Uh, I don't recall him saying there are particular teams he'd like to play for. I don't know that he's actually said anything publicly. But he'd be interesting on the L. He'd be interesting in L.A. I'm I'm not quite sure. I think if you got him there a couple of years ago, what he would do for Anze Kopitar's career. But even still, with Drew Doughty behind him, moving the puck forward, <laughs> that's that's a pretty compelling. Drew, Drew, Drew. That's a pretty compelling pairing there. Yes. Um. So Dubas may be saved. It, it, Sheldon Keefe, done. You keep him around too? If Dubas is staying, I don't know how you get rid of Keefe. I, I mean, okay. I don't – I think that Keefe has made himself look bad uh, here and there during the season. But he still took this core and won a round with them. Fair enough. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I think that – in all honesty, I think the two I think the two are inextricably linked. I think if Dubas goes, then yes, Sheldon Keefe is gone. And not just because of the old rule that you bring in a new boss, they want to bring in their own people. I think that if one goes, the other's going as well. I think the fact that they won a playoff round, they got themselves some experience. If they can somehow build out the back end and maybe push deeper into the playoffs, win a second round get to a uh, get to a conference fine i i think that they may be on the right track but yeah right now i think they've had i think they've got a stay of execution silence oh i'm i'm just think i'm attempting to think of potential trade partners for them oh okay <laughs> um but why don't we actually 
jump to the story that the two of us were talking about um, that I hadn't heard of uh, involving Mark Mathot. I I saw this one. uh, It was actually during one of the it was actually during one of the hockey games doing tweets and everything else. And it popped up and it's Mark Mathot. Landis Gog is basically Landis Gog is going to be missing and at this point may not be a surprise to anyone missing all of next season, like completely done shut down. Uh, apparently he is having cartilage transplant surgery on his right knee. Mark Mathot actually tweeted out that he had the same surgery performed on his left knee. Uh, he came and said that it is a brutal rehab process. He said that his knee never recovered to a point that made skating at, the NHL level possible, uh, which to me sounds like uh, not good for uh, prognosis La- for Landeskog. Because Landeskog is already 30 years old. He'll be 31 in November. Um, he comes back. He'd be 32 halfway through his first season back after missing two full seasons. And that's the other thing is he's already missed this season. Yeah. I mean, uh, and there are other comments from Mark. I mean, somebody asked him about the result. Was it as a result of a specific play wear and tear? And he said that it's wear and tear. It was it was re- primarily wear and tear on the knee until it finally just gave away. He had no cartilage left in the trochlear groove, which is at the bottom of the femur, where the kneecap glides on top of it. He said, my knee capsule looked like a snow globe covered in cartilage flakes, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking basically he's saying that it, there's all this stuff floating around in his knee area and there's nothing preventing the bone on bone, which is what the cartilage does. It keeps the bone from rubbing on bone. Uh, a, extremely painful from what I've heard. I have not experienced it, thankfully. Uh, and you're going to wear it out to the point where, you know, does walking become a problem? Does everyday uh, movement become an issue? I, I'm, I'm seriously hoping that Landis Gog doesn't have to suffer through any of this, but it just sounds, oh, and it sounds thought. grotesque. It sounds like you really just don't want to. Um, like the surgery, the surgery is going to be relief. If his knees are that bad now, the surgery is going to improve his day-to-day function, but it, I will be shocked even allowing for the difference in time between when Mark Mathot had the surgery and when Gabriel Landeskog has the surgery if Landeskog's knee isn't impaired for at least six months after he's back on ice, on skates, and attempting to move at game speed, and according I, I will to, be shocked. According to one, according to some of the comments, Landeskog apparently has said that it doesn't bother him. It doesn't bother where he's at now. It doesn't bother him uh, as far as walking, but. Skating is uh, is a non-starter. Uh, 
Mathot has said that uh, as far as everyday things, he's fine. Um, it's debatable whether he it improved his day-to-day kneeling squatting. He said, what I can say is that it no longer hurt when I was just resting, but it absolutely affects me with anything regarding explosive activity. I don't even play men's league hockey. Ugh. I mean, it, it just it. It's I wanted this. I wanted to get the story because I, at that point in time, I hadn't heard that Landis Gog was going to miss another season. So my first prior, my first thought was, wow, I, you know that I wanted to grab that. But as I read the comments that and the replies that Mark was giving, it just sounded worse and worse as I'm reading it and. There are actually people like making comments which aren't fair to my thought. You know, well, he's half. You know, you're not half the player Land or, or he's not half the player Landeskog was, or this is that. Why, why are we comparing one to the other? We're not comparing their talent level. We're not comparing whether Mathot as a defenseman is the same as Landeskog as a forward. We're comparing the fact that they're both suffering the same injury, and he can give us insight into what. Landeskog is possibly going through or going to go through. Absolutely. And I, I don't even, I don't have any patience for comments. Like really don't have any patience at all. No, like I said, the only reason I read them was because Mark was actually replying to people's questions because some people were actually asking real questions. Did it improve your day-to-day life? You know, was it the result of a particular injury? Was it the, you know, there were, that's the only reason why I kept reading, but then yes, there are the idiots. And unfortunately I don't have a better word for it. There are the idiots who feel that this is a pot. This is a time to be taking pot shots at Mark. That's not why he did this. He wasn't trying to compare himself to Landis Gog in any way, except that he suffered the same injury and he had the same surgery that Gabriel's having. End of story. Yeah, I speedy recovery and complete recovery to Gabriel Landeskog. I love him as a player. Um, clearly, 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 Colorado missed him this year. They were not the same team. They were yes, not the same made, team, but they were also lacking a two C. And goaltending was different. Uh, That's another team who should have kept. I think they should have kept Grubauer too, but. Well, Grubauer went in the expansion draft. They had Kemper, who won the Stanley Cup, and then they let him go for a free to free agency to Washington, and then thought that Georgiev from the Rangers was going to be between him and Francois, who actually was decent in the playoffs when during their Stanley Cup run. There's there's a lot you can dive into there, and we probably don't have time to do it here. We can do it no. another time, but. The idea was that, yes, I, I do wish Landis Gog a speedy recovery, and I hope that it he can – I'd like to see 100 percent full range and no pain and all that, but from the way Mark makes it sound, I'm hoping that he comes back and he's healthy enough to be able to just live a life that's pain-free because this doesn't sound like fun at all. I don't wish no. this on anyone. The Rangers head coaching position is, as we know, open. Um, whether that's a good thing, a bad thing. We know where I stand, but okay. Uh, yes, you're not 
the world's biggest fan of the idea, but that's okay. Um, I, I'm not of the belief that it's Gallant's fault, but his career shows that he, the man has a short shelf life. So I, there's something there. Um, Molly Walker of the New York Post mm-hmm. um, has a candidate list. Um, Mike Sullivan is on the list. Not really a surprise, even though he's assisting with the search. Jay Pandolfo is on the list. He would be a first-time NHL coach. They've already gone. I have not heard in a mighty long time. Bob Hartley is on the list. Um, Bob he's Hartley. He's in the KHL. Bob Hartley did a really good job. I mean, he he predated he predated Jared Bednar in Colorado, and I have no complaints about Bob Hartley behind the bench. I th- I think that when they started falling apart, he was still coach, and they just needed to make a move. Hartley was really good when he was head coach of of Colorado. They did it. They they for the most part were really good. Um, as far as Pandolfo. You've already gone the BU route when you hired David Quinn. Yeah, but oh. remember these guys. He um, Jury is a BU guy himself, and he and Pandolfo. Okay. He and Pandolfo played. Uh, didn't they play together? I believe so. Yes, they, they did. Ninety four, ninety five, and ninety five, ninety six. Okay. Who else is on this list? Um, Bob Hartley, who we were just talking about, who just won a, a Gagarian uh, Cup in the KHL with Omsk uh, Avangard. Okay. Patrick Ruah, which I think is a fantastically interesting pick. I don't know if it's a good idea to put him in a market the size of New York, but okay. Oh, as I said, fantastically interesting. I didn't say good, didn't say en- bad. Entertaining. I- anyway, entertaining. Okay. Um, Jack Capuano. Interesting. I think he's the safety pick, but okay. Yeah, I I think that if Peter Laviolette, uh, probably the front runner. Okay. And he played with uh he or Jury Jury played under Laviolette yeah. uh, in the 2006 Olympics and 2004 World Cup. Uh, I also think he's the front. Yeah, I think he's the front runner based on. His based on his resume alone, I think that Laviolette's front runner. Okay. Jeff Blaschel. Really, Jeff Blaschel, who was summarily relieved of his duties in Detroit. Okay. After seven long years. Of not so much, yeah. With a roster that was made up of. Not so much, yeah. Yeah, that. Yep. And of course, my second favorite coach ever. Dan Bilesma. Really? Yeah. Dan Bilesma has been markedly absent from the hockey scene. I haven't heard his name or seen him or. So if if he's been somewhere, please tell me where, because I don't know where he's been. Um, At the moment, he's having a pretty or he was having a pretty successful season with the Coachella Firebirds. Coachella. Oh, so he's going. He's he's busy going to the music festival. Okay. Um, if that is the Coachella, uh, same Coachella. 
I, I believe it is. But uh, Coachella Firebirds, uh, assistant head coach uh, mm-hmm. in the AHL this year. This is a guy who was in Charlotte won. Checkers last year. This is a guy who's won a Stanley Cup as a head coach, though. But here's the thing. He had he had an assist he had a yeah or he was an assistant coach in the AHL in oh four oh five. Okay. He was an assistant coach in the NHL in oh five oh six. Okay. And then back to the AHL, two years as an assistant in Wilkesbury Scranton before being bumped to head coach. With twenty five games left in the season, he gets jumped to the NHL head coaching position. Wins a Stanley Cup. So there's a good pipeline of players in that 08, 09 season who mm-hmm. he knew frontwards and backwards from having played in the AHL and coached in the AHL or then on his NHL roster. Plus, you know, those guys, Malkin, Crosby and Latang. And so 25 regular season games. Win the Stanley Cup. And then next after that, it's losing the second round, losing the first round, losing the first round. Okay. Um, losing the third round, losing the second round, and out of Bo- and then he's out of Pittsburgh. Okay. Out of the playoffs, two seasons in Buffalo. Assistant coach in Detroit the last uh, for three years where they didn't make the playoffs, and then Charlotte and Coachella. Okay. He hasn't – you can make the argument that he hasn't had a chance to redeem himself because he's not been anything anywhere like a good team in years. Yeah. You can also make the, the case that he got lucky. <laughs> Luck plays into it a little bit, I'm sure. I mean, sheer dumb luck has won a lot of things. Yes. So is there anybody – okay, so Dan Bilesman, is there anybody else on the list? That's that's Molly's list. Okay, I'm noticing a name completely has been ignored. Go ahead. Mike Babcock. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Claude Julian. Where's Claude's name? I See, I don't know if Claude Julian wants to coach in the NHL anymore. No, okay, fair enough. Um, tired, of getting, tired of getting crapped on? Maybe he doesn't want to travel 41 times a season. Wants to just be golfing all the time? Seems golfing to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, at this point. Seems to enjoy his golfing when he was here in Boston. He came in the dev camp all tanned up and. Looking like a lobster. <laughs> yeah. He looked like a lobster. It was bad. I, I was trying to be nice, but yeah, he was. It was. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad, and clearly you could tell he was like on the uh, he was out on the links or something because he got a lot of sun. <laughs> I I guess that would have to be the only answer because why would you not consider Claude Julian? I, I don't know. Um, someone else I would uh, I would take a look at. Mm-hmm. I would I would legitimately take a look at Marco Sturm. He's head coach for the Ontario Reign this year. Um, his first year as a head coach anywhere, but he just spent four years 
as an assistant in the Los Angeles King system. Remember, he was instrumental to building the Germany program, uh, the German World Juniors program. Um, oh, I know you like Marco Sturm. You don't need to sell me on that. And to be quite honest, I think the guy deserves an opportunity somewhere because uh, just because of what he did with the German program. I think the guy and, deserves you know, an opportunity. Look at his, you look at that team that he had in in Ontario. It's not a super team. Like, yeah. I mean, TJ Tynan or Tynan. Yes, he had 81 points in 72 games to lead the team in scoring. But he only had eight goals. Like, the top goal scorer on the team was 23 goals. Samuel uh, Begema, uh 23-year-old uh, picked by uh, the Kings. Okay. He's not, he's not coaching a stacked roster, uh, and he still has a winning record as his first year. There's, there's, there's names outside this list worth talking about. Um, I think that Mike Sullivan probably almost wins by default. Um, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Hartley. I, I, I Hartley wouldn't surprise me. I, I do feel, like I said, I do feel Laviolette's probably the front runner. It's going to be the thing with him is it's going to be a high profile jaw i mean he was head coach of washington he was head coach of pittsburgh he was head coach in nashville this is going to be much higher visibility than he's used to but i think that the fact that i think his resume gives him the cachet to say that he can handle the job that's fair um Edmonton, Edmonton, Edmonton is gone, gone, gone. Yes, unfortunately, I'm going to have to suffer through another round of Bruce Cassidy. Not nearly as much as Edmonton suffered with uh, Marsha Salt and Eichel on the ice. <laughs> because uh ran across a tweet, um, and it's a really interesting tweet, uh, from Travis Yost, um, at Travis Yost on Twitter. If you're not following him, what's wrong with you? Um, he did a very simple breakdown of goals uh, during the series. When Marsha Salt and Eichel were off the ice, Vegas scored eight goals. Edmonton scored seven. Relatively even. When Marshall I mean, Salt and Eichel were on the ice, yes, Edmonton scored two goals. Yes, that's the number between one and three. Two. That's where it usually falls, yeah. Uh, just making sure that everyone understood me. Okay. And the Vegas Golden Knights scored ten. 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 And that would be the number that is five times greater than two. Ten to two. Okay. 
Eichel, I, without looking, Eichel probably averaged around 21, 22 minutes, meaning that there were like 39, 38 minutes being played without him on the ice. In that time, they scored eight goals, the Vegas Golden Knights. In the 22 minutes a night or so that Eichel was on the ice, they scored more than that against whatever the best pairing and best shutdown line of Edmonton is, is regarded as. Okay. Jack Eichel is averaging literally a hair under 20 minutes a night, 1959. Okay. So I overestimated ice time a little bit. I wasn't, I wasn't pointing it out for that reason. I just happened to, I just, when you said it, I, I just decided to look it up to, be certain that he was i mean whether he's playing 21 22 or 20 <clears throat> i mean the fact is that he's a plus seven in the plus minus department <laughs> he's got 14 points in 11 playoff games uh, i but guess my most important thing about this Petrangelo was thrown out for one game because he slashed Dreisaitl? No. Even okay. more important than that. Darnell Nurse got thrown out for instigating a fight with uh, somebody else. Haig? I think it was. No. Was it even more important than that. No. Even more important. Edmonton is now out and there's no more Canadian teams in the playoffs. Um, even more important and less surprising than that. Wow. I'm not, all right. Now I'm, I've, I've used up my three guesses. This is the first time that Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel have gone head to head, uh, in the playoffs. No, that's right. They, they were, were drafted, drafted one McDavid number one and Eichel number two back in the 2015 draft. Um, despite all of Eichel's injuries and everything, yeah, this is his, and partly because of that and how bad Buffalo was, this is Eichel's first playoff experience. He seems to be enjoying it. Seems to be enjoying it, yes. Uh, so Connor McDavid had a great playoff run, 20 points in in his 12 games. And yet still finished a minus one. Ouch. Um, if we're going to compare first playoff appearances, uh, Connor McDavid back in his six, in the 16-17 season, mm-hmm. 13 games, had nine, ga- had nine points, five, four, and nine, or a plus two. And as you just said, Eichel, 11 games, six, eight, and 14. Plus seven. The conversation as to whether Eichel or McDavid was the better player has been deemed over for five years or six years by many people. Um, I'm not sure I'm willing to go I, along with that. I never deemed it over only because, yes, they both went to bad teams. The problem is that. Buffalo, I mean, Edmonton didn't do anything. I, I, they added, they had a lot of high draft picks, a lot of offense. Buffalo had him, I mean, 
if they had him and Tage Thompson and 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 I, I guess it'd be easy to compare. I don't think it's fair to compare one to the other because they've had different tracks. Oh, different tracks. How many GMs did Jack Eichel and head coaches did Jack Eichel have? <laughs> all of them. Well, the Pagulas like the Pagulas like to play like to replace things rather quickly. You know who um, fit in there? Gallant. He, he, you know, they they bring him in, they fire him two years later, and you never know. It would difference. be a normal tenure for Gallant. Sure. I mean, um, Dom Granado is actually doing a decent job, so maybe they'll give him a little bit of extra time. <laughs> Maybe Bye. he slipped some Benadryl into the Gula's coffee or something. Oh, and I said Mike Riley earlier. I meant Morgan Riley. Mike Riley is the Bruins defenseman, as we know. Yeah. My apologies to everybody who's listening. I I misspoke. Um, but watching as, Heichel, he was playing a a good, effective 200-foot game. I'm not nominating which, him for the Selkie next year. But I'm not also nominating not him for the Conn Smythe this year. But it's also not something he's known for. He's not known for his 200-foot game. Never was coming out of college. No, but the fact that his game has progressed so far, and quite frankly so fast, because he didn't have that reputation when he got injured, it says something about him as an actual adult. I just wonder if – and and I don't know. Maybe I'm making excuses for him. Moving from Buffalo to Vegas, you think of the defensive core that Vegas has with Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, Braden McNabb, Zach Whitecloud. Uh, you think of the guys that are there and the players that he's playing with, with William Carlson, who's one of the better two-way players in the league, Marcia So, as you prefer, um, uh, Agent Smith, um, Riley Smith. Is... Uh, is this a case where the environment is having an impact on the type of player that Eichel is? I think I, I would posit a theory that, yes, the fact I, that he's got all of these inputs that he didn't have in Buffalo. Input and support. We I mean, we heard multiple times that that locker room was a hot mess. Um and uh, because, I mean, you remember you had Robert Leonard who was who called out the team at he, one point. Yeah. He called he, he, he called he was basically the leader in the locker room, called out Buffalo and, and was just like, this is we can't be like this. Eichel called out the team more than once. Um, and I think the fact that a this is a coherent locker room. B, they actually want to win and are willing to willing to sacrifice to do it. I think it's good for him as a person and a player because let's face it. Eichel came into the league with a reputation for knowing how to enjoy himself. And if there's any place on the planet that knowing how to enjoy yourself is really easy, <laughs> it's Las, uh, Las Vegas. Buffalo. No, <laughs> <laughs> If enjoying yourself is shoveling seven or eight feet of snow a winter, yes, Buffalo. Okay. Um, no, I, I'm glad that he's succeeding, and, and congratulations to Vegas on, on getting into the next round. But, yeah, it does mean we have to deal with Cassidy for another round. So. Oh, speaking of the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> Are you going where I think you're going with this one? 
make your pick for tonight's game because it's eight twenty one now. Oh, I'm gonna. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go for it. Seattle is going to eliminate yet another team. Uh, as much as I like Dallas and uh, I love Jason Robertson. Uh, We'll never oh. answer that question, unfortunately, of what took him so long. I love Rope Hints. We know how much I love Rope Hints. Uh, Joe Pavelski is just turned back the clock good. I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, he gets he scores four goals in, in a playoff game. First time it's been done by somebody 37 years of age or whatever it was. I mean, yeah, damn. Granted, um, they still lost, but, you know, damn. So. Uh, as of right now, the score I mean, is nothing, nothing. I'm going to go with Seattle. I'm going with Dallas. They were the most consistent team in the Western Conference all season. I agree. Uh, I uh, And you just named many of the reasons why I think they're going to win. But I'm going to throw in Jake Ottinger. I love Jake Ottinger. I have to watch Ottinger him here at BU. You know, I mean, if ever there was opposite number. If ever there was a, if ever there was an enjoyable time in in college hockey here in Massachusetts was that year that all four Beanpot teams had goalies that were NHL prospects. You had Ottinger, you had Joseph Wall, um, you had Caden Primo. My only problem is I can never remember the one that came from Harvard because he's the only one that hasn't made the NHL. Was that Wall, not Wall? There was another Wall, wasn't there? Because Joseph Wall, uh, Joseph was, Wall is W O L L. Yeah, but there was a wall, and I can't remember yeah. whether that was UMass Lowell or whether that was the Harvard kid. I mean, it, it was crazy times. I mean, goaltending here in 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 college hockey was ridiculous. In hockey East, it was it was silly for a little bit, <laughs> and um, then kept going because we had Devin Levi and Thatcher Demko. I could go on and on. I can go on. And you will, um, but. Uh, I'm picking Dallas. I, I I just I can't not pick Dallas. My head is telling me that Dallas is the correct pick, but that said, the rest of me says Seattle. They've already knocked off the the Stanley Cup champ, the current Stanley Cup champs. Well, defending, yeah, but defending, which are not defending anymore. Um. Okay. So pick the East. Um, they both lose. Well, we've actually got an Eastern Conference final already set up, so it's either Carolina or who was the other one again? Uh, the Devils. The, oh no! Wait a minute. Sorry. I wish it were the Devils. I'd pick them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having. Carolina I'm having. Knocked, uh, Carolina knocked them out. Who's the other one? Uh, who? Uh, Florida. Um, Carolina or Florida? Ugh, yuck! Gross. I mean. Is this a six to five and pick them? I, I think that I think that right now Florida is playing with house money because Carolina is playing with house money. They're to me they're not a conference finals team. Um, I'm going with the team with I'm going with the team with the biggest personality, and that's the Florida, Florida. Panthers. Yeah, uh, I, Matthew Kachuk has done has pushed all the right buttons to drag that team in the right direction. I do believe that Florida in this series, I think that they can have a similar impact to the, uh, the effect they had on the Bruins series. I think that they can, 
impose their will physically. I mean, yes, Slavin and they got Pesci and and Carolina, but I don't know that Carolina has the pushback. Is Sebastian Ajo really a physical guy? I don't think so. No. Um, you know, Martin Nietzsche haven't seen it. I mean, Svechnikov, is he even playing or is he out hurt? I mean, I just, I, Kakanyemi, no, he, not physical. I, I think that this is one series where I think Florida can impose their will. The reason why I say they're playing with house money is right now they're getting really good play out of their goaltender. I mean, the $10 million man is playing like somebody who actually might be trying to actually earn the $10 million because he hasn't looked like that for a long time. No, he looks like I said it during the ruin series against, uh, against Florida. He looks like an NHL goaltender, which I, it's been a while. Haven't seen it. You know, I, so that's why I say they're playing with house money, just because when does when does the clock strike midnight and Sergey reverts back to the, the Bobrovsky the that, punchline that we've seen recently? Yeah, yeah. Um, so most of you will remember way back a couple of months ago, Jack Edwards said that Patrick Maroon, who is physically a really big guy, yes, was a bit really big guy. But he didn't say he was a really Jack big. But he didn't say he was a really big guy. He he said he was beefy. Yeah, he was intimating something else. But yeah. Um, and the media and certain players went all sorts of ballistic on sideways. Him. Yeah. And Maroon didn't accept the apology, even though Edwards offered it on live TV. He offered it directly to, I guess. I think I heard that he went into the locker room and tried to offer it, but no. Fast forward a couple of months. Yeah. An ESPN anchor, so a national anchor on the the sports network, is making fun of uh, Zach Whitecloud's last name, saying it's a good name for toilet paper. Um, and all sorts of a couple of other minutes of just plain dumb, probably offensive and having nothing to do with hockey commentary for, you know, an indigenous player, a very small group of players in the, in the NHL. Um, and you know what? Zach white cloud accepts the apology says, okay, we'll move on. Felt that felt that Anderson was being sincere. Yes, and I mean I'm not. And it's over and done with. It's over and done with. That's it. Two guys, one makes a mistake or something that's perceived as a mistake, and I think that I think that what Anderson said is worse than what Edwards said. Um, first indigenous first indigenous player in the NHL from the Sioux Valley Dakota Nation, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um. By the way, I yes. like Zach Whitecloud. 
and Ethan Bear. Cloud just exhibits a little bit of class. Do you see this? Do you see his goal? And I think it was game five. I mean, he ripped one. Oh, that was ridiculous. The snipe. That was a snipe. <laughs> he he just unsheathed the rocket launcher and opened up the back of the net. Like <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was, it was gorgeous. Yeah. But just just compare and contrast. I just uh, compare and contrast. Okay, why? What is what is Pat Maroon's problem? That he couldn't accept the apology. I mean, did he feel that it was disingenuous? Did he was it because it was Boston? Does that play into it? I think that it maybe does. I think the fact that it wasn't if it was somebody in Buffalo or or if Shane Knighty had saying said the same thing about him. Do you think he's going to give the sheriff that sort of behavior? Sheriff Shane? Hell no. I, I doubt. I, I doubt it personally. I think it may actually be. I think it may actually be also an issue of Maroon's thinking. This guy's never played a day in his life, and he's making comments like this. Blah blah blah. blah. You know, I I don't want to read. I don't want to read Pat Maroon's mind and what he may or may not be thinking. But I don't get. Yes, the comment shouldn't have been made. But if the if the apology was extended. Okay. Why? What is the issue that you can't accept it? And this one, I mean, over and done with, you know, end of story. And it to me seems uh, making a comment about guy's name sounding like a, a brand of toilet paper. It sounds a lot worse than what Jack said about Maroon. And yet White Cloud's like, you know what? He accepted. I apologize. He seemed sincere. I accepted it. It's over and done with. It's behind us. Look, I, I. Is it saying something about the man accepting the apology, uh, or about the? Is it saying something about the person who was the begrudged? In this case, was it? What's it saying about Pat Maroon? What's it saying about Zach Whitecloud? I, I will say that I think it says good things about Zach Whitecloud, and yes. leave it there. Fair enough. I just I, I, I don't remember hearing I didn't hear the comments live. If I had, I would have certainly mm, reacted probably similarly the way other people reacted on Twitter, because I don't believe that the response was all that positive. OK, so going jumping back to Patrick Maroon being called a bigger guy. Mm hmm. I lamented the fact that Patrice Bergeron was the largest, heaviest player in the top six of the Boston Bruins. The reason, because he's not even 200 pounds. He's 196 pounds, which on this year's Boston Bruins makes him the 23rd heaviest player on the team. Wow. How much the heaviest player weighs? Uh, two forty-five. No, not even close. No, that's right. Chara's gone. He weighed. Can you guess who the heaviest player on the team is? Guess who the heaviest player? Um, Campus Lindholm. Charlie Coyle. No, I keep forgetting about Charlie. Yeah, 
And he weighs a whopping 223 pounds. Okay. Do you know how much Patrick Maroon weighs? 235? He's listed at 234. Damn, I'm good. So Patrick (laughs) Maroon is... 30, uh, 38 pounds heavier than the guy that Jack Edwards has been staring at for t- nearly 20 years. Yes. A dozen pounds heavier than the biggest guy on the team. On what And team? statistically well yes. above the average weight in the NHL. The average weight in the NHL is somewhere around 205 pounds. Okay. Being called a bigger guy when you are statistically a bigger guy and getting upset about it. Well, as I your, as I commented, your distance I, from reality has gotten to the point where it's gone around the corner behind you and you can no longer see it. Yeah. Um, tie, going jumping real jumping back to Kyle Dubis real quick. OK. He gave an interview. Um, you can check uh, Sid Six Arrows' uh, Twitter account and probably other outlets, um, saying that you know while he was going to talk to Shanahan and the team, he was as importantly going to talk to his wife and family about whether they wanted to make a decision to stay in Toronto. And then later in the interview, he says, especially after this year, I don't feel like that's a decision I can make for my whole family. Interesting. Look, stuff like this happens more than people think. I know that Tim Thomas, after the cup year, one of the not just because of the concussion, post concussion syndrome, but because of the harassment his kids were facing in school. Um. Those are some of the reasons he moved on. He moved to he 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 moved on to uh, he went back to Michigan, I believe. Um, I I don't remember. It was either Michigan was, or or Colorado. I forget. Last where I had heard, but he was uh, almost like almost an uh, almost an off the grid situation. They were the whole family was done with the nonsense, and knowing the town that they were living in, um. Yeah, no, uh, it was a it was a reasonably nice town. And for it to get that bad, um, no, uh, like he was a goalie in Boston who won a cup. Kyle Dubas has been GM of a losing franchise for several years. I don't even want to imagine what sort of abuse his family has suffered Simply because in a hockey town such as in a hockey town such as Toronto, yeah. Gee, what are the chances? Yeah, I think that it's probably pretty good. Um, because I mean, not only is it, I mean, Toronto is a huge city. There's probably not anywhere in in the city that they can go out to dinner and not have someone walk up or be making comments loudly from the table. Uh, from two tables over in the restaurant. It's just not a thing. And if they're, if they're gone after finally breaking that seal and getting out of the first round and you hear the words mutual 
parting, I'm actually willing to believe it this time. Yes. I, I can um, I can agree with that. I don't know if they're going to get rid of him, but yeah, if they decide that they don't want to keep him, I can see where he might be like, you know what? That's okay. I don't want to deal with this crap anyway. So, I mean, he, I, I encourage people to watch the interview. I'll retweet it later. Um, and I think we've covered pretty much everything timely. So why don't we, uh, anything else you want to Talk about. Excuse me. Um, I think we pretty much covered it. I can't okay, think of anything else. The only the only thing that you know, the only thing that might be timely and it's not really not really a topic, just kind of an issue that may, the NHL may have created for itself is the the issue of Game Six. And yes, we talked about Edmonton bowing out, but there was a lot of backlash from the fans about the fact that game six's start time was at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. And why on a Sunday wouldn't they move it up to like an eight o'clock start time? Uh, apparently the issue was that the NHL asked to move the game to 8 PM, but they're saying that ESPN would not allow it. Um, According to the according to this story from the Hockey Beast, um, Andreas Lilhanis. Hey, you signed everything over to the Four Letter Network. It's a better move. In theory, it's a better move than other options. They also they also proposed uh, putting uh, because then ESPN had the baseball game had a baseball game on. It was St. Louis against Boston. Uh, they they asked if the if they would move the game to ESPN2 so that the NHL could be on ESPN at 8 o'clock. They said no. They also asked if they could trade games with TNT so that the game could start at 8. Is this a situation where, I guess my question is, is this a situation where the NHL has no control over this? Uh, I, I, no, they don't. I, I really – well, I have not seen the agreement – but this is NA, this is ESPN. They are the 1,700-pound gorilla in the room when it comes to sports broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Because I don't see that the NHL had any choice. Because the issue the issue became even more inflated when the Red Sox game ran a little late uh, beyond the the starting time for the hockey game. And people missed not one, not two, but three goals scored in the first period. Yikes. Yeah. And the and the issue was that the Red Sox were getting blown out by St. Louis to the tune of nine to one. At what point do you not cut away and go, you know what? This one's done. <laughs> We're moving the game to ESPN, too, if you want to keep watching the Red Sox get their butts handed to them. But it's 10 o'clock. We're going to cut away and go to a playoff game. I think that, yes, does the NHL have its issues? <laughs> yeah, but this is something where I think ESPN completely coughed up a hairball. And I'm going to say something really quick that I never thought I would say. Yeah. 
Apparently, Lindy Ruff's contract is up. Uh, he, okay. Because he signed a three-year deal back in July of 2020. Yeah. Tom, Tom Fitzgerald, general manager of the Devils, and he are still in talks. Unless Lindy Ruff starts asking for the highest salary in the league or a guaranteed 10-year contract or something completely out of line, it should be a resume-generating event if Tom Fitzgerald doesn't resign him for at least two years because that team played well and recovered well. I do believe there's an extension in his future. I wouldn't worry about that. Um. There was so little playoff experience that was not somewhere embedded in the bruises and nicks to the body of Andre Palat on this team that I like I wouldn't I wouldn't have been completely shocked if they got rolled by the Rangers. The fact that they made it a series um, with the Rangers and beat them. After coming after going down to nothing, uh, and then they still, I think they still, they, I think they were still, I think they were emotionally drained for the second round. I think that's the final story. Um, I don't see how you can fail to give Lindy Ruff at least one or two more years. And I never thought I'd say that about Lindy Ruff ever. Complete agreement with you, and to be quite honest, I think that there's an extension in his future anyway, because what he was able to get out of that team, yeah. The second also, round, they, second round, they were playing with house money. Carolina stepped in, and I think that I think the Devils were like almost in a state of, huh, we got out of the first round. Huh. That's something. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's an NHL article on the topic, and this was the best season in Devils history. So, and you have every, you have half the roster. Regular season, uh, points wise. Saying that they're backing Lindy Ruff. You've got Jack Hughes. You've got uh, Nathan Bastian. There's, I don't, like, uh, Jesper Bratt. Um, I would be I would be I would be more surprised if he were with uh, if he were not extended and uh, and if he were not offered an extension. To be quite I, honest, I don't I, like I literally will not understand if it doesn't happen. And that hockey fans is where we leave you. Uh, we'll be back next week, um, probably on Sunday. Um, it comes down to our schedules. Uh, have a great week. Enjoy the hockey and uh, hit us both up on Twitter. You can find me at Puck Sage. Find me at the off wing. And you can find us wherever podcasts are available. Take care.